Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice. Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Theology unplugged. I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved. Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged. Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much and it's how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers? Theology unplugged. Welcome to Theology Unplugged. It's been a while for a lot of us, and it's been a while since this group has gotten together. I don't know that we've ever gotten together with this particular group. Uh, it's a new, yeah, it's a new layout. We've got five of us. We've got five? No, Carrie's just over there working the sound booth. She's well, not going to be participating. I know, but she's there's an Imago Day element going on here where she's a human being. We have five human beings at this table. Four will be speaking. I already said if we get stuck and confounded that I'm going to slide the microphone over to her to bring clarity to this discussion. She always does. <laughs> she does. If not on the air, off the air. And controversy. <laughs> With a hammer. Uh, Clint, Sam, myself, and Tim. Yeah. I am Michael Patton, and we'd like to welcome you to uh, this edition of Theology Unplugged, in which we're going to be talking about freedom of the will. Mm. But before we do that, since it's been so so long since we've all gotten together, maybe we can give a quick update on what's been going on with uh, with our lives. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's good. Why don't you? Tim has no life, so go to Clint. Clint. No, I'm just... Thanks, Tim. <laughs> There's always an element of truth to every, every little joke. Seriously, <laughs> tell us what you've been up to. Oh, man. Well, I'm a pastor at a church called Frontline, which is in the Oklahoma City area. And we planted a church on a university campus about two and a half years ago, University of Central Oklahoma. So I'm a pastor there, and that has been occupying a lot of my time. I am actually have become an avid hunter. Kind of weird. I grew up hunting, grew up in a hunting family, and it's become... On my best day, it's a passion. So you Bad enjoy days, killing God's creatures. I, I do. Like, All I mean, right. it actually, you know what I've actually realized too is that it's actually been good to realize that things have to die for us to live, right? Even so, the most. Sounds like a hunter, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds, sounds like a preacher. Like, it's, like a it's a hunter preacher. preacher. Like, even though you're, we have refrigerators because we're just dead plants. We're just maintaining them along long enough from the decom decomposing process before. It so even if you're not a meat eater, you're still uh, into uh, dead things keeping you alive. So anyway, <laughs> so I've been spending a lot of time because it's been hunting season out in the woods. I've, I've uh, have a freezer full of meat, which has been good. And then uh, also I've been working on an app pretty uh, every Friday, all day. I work on an app that can I plug it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. It's called one word Bible Map Plus Sign. Bible Map Plus Plus Sign. And what it's doing is it is connecting every location in the Bible plus any artifact that exists in any museum. Uh, it's bringing all that together on a map tagged to the Bible. Mm. So, example would be Acts chapter 4. I'm reading Acts chapter 4. Where are these places? 
tell me about these places, tell me any excavations that have happened to these places, what did we discover those excavations, and then show me where anything exists on planet Earth today that's connected to what happened in Acts chapter so 4. So will Oklahoma appear on your app? Well, so far, uh, I, as it relates to the U.S., most of the biblical artifacts are in that are in the U.S., are in like University of Michigan has a cool, I'm also doing manuscripts. So like what's the earliest manuscript we have of Acts chapter four? So uh, um, University of Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, there's some other, uh, but then the Green family collection uh, that are starting the Bible Museum in uh, November of this year in Washington DC, they are acquiring some things. But most of the artifacts are either still there like you know, Hezekiah's tunnel that's still in Jerusalem, or they're in the Israeli Museum in Jerusalem, they're in the British Museum, uh, they're in Oxford Library, uh, Cambridge Library, or they're at the Vatican is kind of where most of these things are. Hmm. So so that's been, that's every Friday, I am uh, I just have headphones on, working on my computer, and that's been fun. And it's a free app, by the way. So. Now I know why you wanted to uh, give an update. You just wanted to talk about hunting. No, well. And, and how cool you were. Well, if you'd like to ask me, no. Well, it's you, there is like there actually is kind of a revival of hunting in the U.S. right now. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, at the same time, is it's a humbling thing. So too. last time I talked to you, you still hadn't killed anything. So now you have. Yeah, I killed, killed Bambi's mother. You, you I've officially killed a woodpecker. No, I killed four deer this year. And then I got into butchering them too. So I'm really into <laughs> the whole food process and like making my own hamburger and all that stuff. Oh, man. But I was not planning on talking about all that. But if you guys would like to continue well, asking, I'm more than. <laughs> local denizen that you've been killing. Yeah, the you've been going outside this town. Yeah, I'm out. Keeping it local. I'm, it's, it's, yes, it's, it's all. all right. I was going to make a, a bad joke. So I'll refrain. Yes, it's all been in Oklahoma. Sam, you got a new book coming out. I do. Uh, it's due out um, pretty soon. It's called Practicing the Power, Welcoming the Gifts of the Spirit in Your Life, published by Zondervan. And it's a, kind of a guide, a practical handbook on how to uh, um, faithfully implement and practice spiritual gifts while remaining true to the functional authority of God's Word. Mm. That's probably some of the hardest part about the spiritual gifts is not just yep. getting to the point where theologically you understand them and you're convinced of them but then how do you do it? it yeah well i got so many literally hundreds of emails and letters and phone calls and questions from pastors saying i, I believe in this i don't i don't want to blow up my church so how do mm -hmm. i do it so yeah. that's what the book is so what's Good. the format like kind of what's it like like what, what am i going to experience reading through the book is it going to be like how to lead enlightenment a church into that yeah <laughs> well besides all of the light bulb moments yeah um, well, it is written both for the individual and for local churches. It's, it's, okay. it's geared toward both, so it will appeal uh, in that way. But primarily, I would hope that um, churches would work through it together as they're asking the question, how, how do we learn how to pray for the sick without you know, becoming a wild-eyed fanatic? How do we, um, how do we operate um, you know, rooted in God's Word without becoming a legalistic Pharisee? So kind of mm -hmm. avoiding the ditch on either side. Mm -hmm. So it's got chapters on... Uh, how to um, how to implement a prayer ministry in your church? Um, you know how does worship fit into this? Um, so I'm excited about it. It's, well, you know, and how important is that? Because uh, you you start and it's just trial and error in so many ways where you live and learn. You know, you yeah. wisdom about when to allow speaking in tongues and yeah. when to um, uh, uh, have the 
prayer for the sick. Yeah, like we like service. should we stop right now and pray for your voice because yeah. obviously <laughs> you've got a little illness going on yeah. there. I think it sounds kind of impressive. It sounds there, a little yeah. mosaic actually. But. That's what I did. I I hit my throat before I came in. Moses are very white. Yeah, that's right. Or Darth Vader. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing well. Still leading. Um, conference coming up. Uh, yeah, we have a conference. Uh, the website goes uh, live pretty soon. Convergenceconference.org. Convergenceconference.org. It's going to be here in Oklahoma City, October 5th, 6th, and 7th of this year. Mm. Matt Chandler, Andrew Wilson from England, uh, Jack Deere, and myself, among others. And it follows the same basic pattern as the book. Yeah, it's kind of birthed the idea for it came out of the, of, out of the book. We wanted to host a conference that focused on this theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody can come. Anybody Absolutely. From a, you, you're around the United States, Absolutely. you don't have to be from Oklahoma. Nope. But you have to register and register soon, probably. Yeah, there's limited seating, so my um, guess is space will go fast. What's the address again? Convergenceconference.org. Okay. All right. Clint Roberts, ladies cool. and gentlemen. Well, just to tie in to what these two gentlemen already said, I also am working on an extensive maps project uh, for the Book of Mormon. Uh, likewise, mm-hmm. I am. Uh, Are there a lot of sources out there? Oh yeah, there, there's a there's a wealth of uh, sources. It, all of them are directly revealed to me, of course. They're not common property. I'm also a hunter too. Uh, Do you have the gold plate? I'm specializing though in endangered species only, because I like to live on the edge really. and I do not recognize the laws of man <laughs> and to tie into what Tam's, uh, what what our man Sam I, I'm you don't know this but I'm writing a book it's the counterpoint to your book so um, my conference I'm still laying the groundwork is it, for it is it divergence but that's exactly right <laughs> there are copyright issues my, my attorneys are working at the present time but no honestly I mean I'm you know, it was a busy year for me last year, um, heading the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign. I won't lie, it ended in disappointment. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a calling. I, I don't know what to tell you. Is, but, it, is uh, this like four four lies and the truth? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> folks, I just, you all haven't figured out Clint's style yet. You have to take everything with a grain of salt and then invert it, and you'll probably approach the truth. There you go. I'm just here for jokes and one-liners and occasional <laughs> and, occasional semi. Heresies, and we do have to be nice to you because we're sitting in your living room and or in your dining room at That's your right. dining room table, and so uh, so you make would, a mean cup of coffee too. Yeah, and you can kick us out pretty easily from your home. So you're all welcome here. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, me, I have uh, been primarily focused on Kim, Carrie, and I have kind of. Uh, made uh, some changes in our focus at least for the first part of this year and uh, focusing on Credo Courses. Mm-hmm. Credo Courses is a ministry that we've had for some time. I think we started back in 2012 was mm-hmm. the first course with uh, with Dan Wallace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it has uh, been a, a very fruitful, very exciting uh, part of our ministry where we're recording the best teachers teaching on the best subjects and making it available to everybody. So uh, that is uh, the focus for this coming year as well, trying to get a few more Credo courses up on the Credo Course website. You can go to credocourses.com, credocourses.com, and um, I see what we're doing there. But that's been my focus. 
as far as ministry, uh, personally, we've uh, I've been going through uh, just a terrible, terrible time with my uh, back, and I I've mentioned that not just because it's uh, kind of this passing thing where oh my back hurts today, or or uh, you know trying to give you guys a slight update on uh, my health issues, but just because it is so bad. Today, it actually feels decent, but um, I just have not been able to figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm uh, progressively losing feeling in my both feet now, uh, mm-hmm. just about uh, don't have any feeling from my uh, big toe to my fourth toe now, and then the top of my feet, And but at the same time, it's just very painful. No feeling, but very painful. And I had surgery last year, March, and it's just gotten worse since then. So that is something that I would really appreciate uh, prayers prayers for. Uh, it is, uh, you have a back like this, and whenever it's this bad, it just, it consumes everything. Mm-hmm. Consumes your thoughts, your, your, I mean, just being in that much pain all the time, it's just terrible. But uh, I'm so thankful because yesterday and today I have felt better than I felt in a long time. So it's a, mm. it's a good thing to be able to get up. I mean, whenever you have to get, you're to the point where you're trying to plan out going to the restroom because mm. trying to figure out how to get up and, and which bathroom to go to, that's going to be the easiest and mm. those kind of things. It's just kind of a weird life that I'm starting to take on. And I just don't want to take that on, but, yeah. uh, pray for me, but I'm thankful today that it's, uh, that it's feeling pretty good. Mm. Yeah. That was a downer. No, no. That's, that's reality, brother. Yeah, it's and life. It's, yeah, that's our, you know, our theology is in the context of our lives, you know, and it's, uh, um, and the Lord, I don't know why the Lord's had you go through that as much as you have. Uh, I think you could write a book just on suffering and it'd be a couple thousand pages probably, uh, but I hope that he leads you out of the season fast. Me too. Me too. Well, um, let's get to our topic. We're going to talk for a little while, maybe uh, this program and next program, maybe a little bit further beyond. We'll see how that goes. But we're going to talk about freedom of the will, Mm. Uh, a very non-controversial, easy topic. I thought. Why don't we talk about something that exists? Hey, oh, straight fire! All the cards just came out. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. We are done. No need to beat around the bush here. <laughs> well, freedom I'm, of the world does not exist. Sam's mic up more than everyone else's on this, so y'all can oh, hear him man. very clearly. Well, I've been uh, talking to some people, and this has been brought up often, and, and it, you know, so often whenever you're talking theology, it ends up turning to something about freedom of the will, divine sovereignty, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I watched a movie once again called The Adjustment Bureau two days ago. Right. <laughs> and that was with uh, Matt Damon and had a lot to do with free will. Had mm. a lot to do with the uh, understanding uh, of free will in, in a secular world. What is free will? Do we truly have it? Mm. And so I want to I enter into this and if we could maybe create a little bit of the itch for the audience so that they understand what it is that is difficult about this and why it is that we would uh, pause and say that we need to talk about this and it is that it is something that uh, creates a lot of heat. The will, uh, the whole idea that we have uh, the ability not just to choose but to freely choose, that we can make choices 
on our own and that the choices that we make are ours. Um, so many things we've done so far here today that, I mean, it's just intuitive in our minds that we are free. That yeah. the, whenever uh, we discussed this a, a couple of days ago or yesterday, what are we going to talk about? Well, let's talk about free will. Uh, seems like I came up with that freely. And you guys decided freely to uh, choose to uh, embark on this topic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the usually is never a question whether or not we have free will. In our culture, in our society, uh, it is based upon the assumption of free will. Uh, the, the whole idea of the penal system that we have in our country where uh, people are punished for the things that they do that are wrong or they are lawbreakers based upon uh, the assumption of free will. Uh, but when we talk about free will, I guess the question is, first, I guess we needed to define it and then ask the question, is there such a thing as Sam kind of... Uh, Facetiously, yeah. sarcastically. <laughs> is there such well, a thing Well, and as I, I think it's good to mention, too, that this conversation may provide more angst in a Western mindset as well. Like someone who grows up in a Eastern environment where community and like patriarchal influence and stuff are uh, are a big deal uh, in more of an Eastern mindset where more of a Western mindset, freedom, individual freedom is such a hallmark right of the united states of america fourth of july we you know we we i don't know of any holidays in one sense where like we celebrate that we're not free right mm-hmm. like uh, you know there's so much freedom 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 uh, that i it, it i think can easily rub a western person the wrong way if they ever entertain an idea that's away from freedom uh, and actually embrace that as a good thing, potentially. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting whenever uh, I look over here at Clint, and Clint teaches both in a uh, Christian environment. Uh, the, he's a professor in the Christian environment, but also in a secular environment many times. And in that environment, it's also discussed, right, whether or not we All have All the time. All the time. And, you know, you just said, well, let's define it. Yeah. And already we're up against... A problem, uh, at least as I experience the conversations that I hear with people, I think there's right out of the gate there's a fundamental problem with how people conceive of it because they conceive of it in more than one way. Mm-hmm. I think the easiest way to 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 make that point is um, is in a mistaken way that uh, that an atheist actually wrote about this some years ago. Uh, Sam Harris, well-known atheist, wrote a book entitled "Guess What? Free Will," mm-hmm. in which he denied it completely not for theological reasons clearly but for atheological reasons there's more than one kind of determinist the kind you encounter in the sciences a lot of times nowadays say that there's no free will because frankly everything is a falling of dominoes it's an inexorable result of all the series of past physical events neurochemistry everything Mm -hmm. harris goes so far as to say you are not free to the extent that you are actually not responsible for anything you've ever done. Mm. Jails and prisons, he says, are a, of social utility. We need them. But frankly, they're not doing any justice because nobody in those joints is guilty. They're all like a product of their environment. They couldn't help it. Yeah. And so in response to that, another philosopher with whom we would find a lot more resonance, Alvin Plantinga, wrote a pretty scathing critique. 
And what he pointed out, I think, goes to the point I want to make about the definition. Plantinga said what Harris has done here is he's done a bait and switch, and he has conflated two things. On the one hand, he's promising to the world that he's going to show that free will, as we ordinarily experience it and talk about it, the everyday man's understanding of it, that it doesn't exist. But then all he really does is spend the entire book showing that something else doesn't exist. And that something else is what Plantinga calls maximal autonomy. And Plantinga says, that's not controversial. We all know that. And that no, nobody needs to even debate that. Maximal autonomy means I'm not restricted by anything. I mean, in other words, all these factors that would play a role on me, environment, uh, heredity, you know, a DNA, my proclivities, what I, what I just find myself wanting, and all that. Um, I'm free of all that. I, I, I'm the master of my domain in every respect. Harris does a great job showing that's not true, but guess what? Nobody thinks that is true. And, and, all, and so what I'm saying is when I have my classes and we talk about this, I get a lot of people that don't make that distinction. And they, they suppose that if there are any factors acting on us, why we're just not free. Mm-hmm. Any factors at all. So freedom has to mean uh, almost... And, and in fact, Plantinga, theologically, he goes so far as to say, Christians don't even believe that's true of God. Because they don't think that God, in infinity past, orchestrated everything to make himself the way he is. He just is the way he is eternally. So even he didn't come to be the way he is because he was he freely wove it all together, you know, all the circumstances. So there's no being that 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 has that. So so you're saying that if we can identify a or multiple causes of choices of the will, we can still in some sense be free? Harris would say no. Right. And and by the way, your your friend John Piper, I'm pretty sure I've I've read where he says essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. That there, that there is a kind of freedom in the ordinary sense that we use it. That is, and in fact, the Bible assumes that every command it gives is just presupposing that, that you know, that you have some, some. There's some kind of freedom there, but we we make an error if we over define that freedom into some kind of uh, some kind of super autonomy, and somehow fool ourselves into thinking that we're not subject to a thousand. Yeah. factors that play on us. You know? Should we should we maybe zoom out a little bit and just like define a little bit like okay where where are we struggling to I mean a little bit of the definition of free will like as it relates to Christians usually having this conversation like why can't we all just read the Bible and come up with the same view on free will? Yeah, and speaking of that, Sam, uh, where where is it when we're talking about kind of we've we've talked a little bit about it philosophically, but theologically, where is the what's the spectrum like out there in Christian in Christianity mm-hmm. with regard to free will uh, among theologians? Uh, uh, obviously, they don't all agree. So, what what do we have here? And the in, if we can simplify the camps. Well, it could be safe to say even before we get to the camps, like the question in many ways is like, yes, we all freely chose driving here today, the path we would take. But as it relates to our relationship with the all-powerful God of the universe, are we free people underneath his godness? Are we free people or are we not free people? I mean, is that, do you think that's safe, like, to say, like, these different camps are answering that question? Like, really, when you say free will in the Christian, you're not talking about how to get from point A to point B. You're mainly talking about, is God controlling you 
or are you free is almost a, now I know like those are kind of loaded terms but in your interaction with God are you freely interacting with God or is he kind of controlling you in a way that your actions are not free actions yeah those are good questions maybe the place to begin is where we all agree I think all um, mean sincere intelligent Christians of every conceivable theological stripe would agree that we are accountable to God in other words we we don't live in such a condition that um, that we can say well if I make a bad choice uh, there's no way God can hold me responsible for it we, we believe in moral accountability that our actions have consequences and that whether those consequences are judgment or reward, they are valid. They are genuine. So we make genuine choices. We, uh, all Christians would agree that we have a, a, a moral responsibility to heed God's word, to obey it, and that there are um, just and fair consequences if we disobey it. So in some sense, then, there has to be a measure of freedom there. But where the divide exists, where people who agree on those principles go in opposite directions is when it comes down to salvation. Mm -hmm. And it really sometimes narrows down to the question of um, who or what is ultimately responsible for the transition of my will and my heart from unbelief and rebellion to trust and faith. Mm -hmm. Is it a cooperative 50-50 operation of the Spirit of God in my will? Is it entirely my will that God only comes up to a point, you know, there's a there basically is a point of influence on my heart beyond which he can't go? If he, if he went any further, he would somehow violate the integrity of my will? Mm-hmm. Or is it, no, God has to go all the way and he has to utterly and, and sovereignly and irresistibly renovate my heart and will so that I can make a choice? So... Again, is it 50-50? Is it some sort of cooperative synergy? Uh, is it 100% God or is it 100% uh, man? Uh, that's where the rub really emerges. So again, I don't, I don't think any of us, if we were from a variety of different traditions, I don't think anybody would come here with Sam Harris's perspective or others and say, you know, moral accountability is a myth. It's yeah. an illusion. Yeah. It doesn't exist. And uh, we aren't responsible for our choices. Kind of like God doesn't care. Just live free. Do whatever right. you want. We, yeah. we, we don't believe in maximal autonomy. We yeah. know from the word of God, and I think common sense and experience, that we are going to be held accountable for the decisions we make. Um, a rapist will be held morally accountable for the, for the wretchedness of his act. Uh, uh, an exercise of compassion towards somebody who's homeless or hungry is acknowledged as a morally uh, pro- proper act, and there are rewards for that. So, and that can be a scary thought for a lot of people, is like, you're accountable. But it can also be, I think, a loving thought, too, for someone who feels like a total nobody. You know, like for me... I, I have no no desire to know the lives of individual ants that are crawling around on the ground outside, right? I just have well, no... Being care. a hunter, you'd probably just step on them anyway. Yeah, like I have, I have no care of individual ants outside. I just, I do not care about... Not only do I not care about individual ants, I don't even care about the whole colony, right? And if I drive over <laughs> the top crazy. of one... Yeah, but to know that there is a loving God of the universe that 
in even a greater gulf between me and an ant, there's a greater gulf between me and God, and he actually cares about my life to the point that I will be accountable to him in a way that he is interested in every detail of my yeah. life. And that can, I think, be seen by many who have grown up feeling unloved. That can be a really loving thought, too. Well, to kind of lay the groundwork here for the uh, coming podcast, because we're running out of time. Um, so, so, Sam, would, would, is it safe right now, do you think, or profitable for us to be able to say, okay, here's, here's kind of this group in uh, Christianity, the Arminians or the Calvinists, and kind of place them in this so that people have uh, some understanding of what we're talking about? Yeah. Well, sure. Um, you know, kind of get, it takes us in maybe a little deeper than we want to go now, but <clears throat> excuse me, it'll set the stage for the next podcast. Um, most within the Arminian Wesleyan tradition believe precisely as those in the Reformed or Calvinistic tradition when it comes to the nature of fallen men and women. In other words, Wesley and Arminius, both of whom uh, affirmed the doctrine of original sin, they said they affirmed total depravity. They said we are born in a condition of willful hostility toward God and willful rebellion. But the difference is that they argue that God universally in, to some extent neutralizes the effects of our fallen nature and thereby liberates our will to a point where we can now make a choice very much like Adam made in the garden. Um, Calvinists are those in the Reformed tradition who argue that we are conceived in sin and brought forth in iniquity and we're, uh, we are uh, born um, in antipathy toward God, in rebellion against him that as Paul says in Romans 3 no one understands no one seeks after God uh, Calvinists do not believe in this notion of prevenient grace or this this liberating of the will on the part of God so it's interesting uh, I have a very good Arminian friend who's a dear friend of mine a former colleague who says I don't believe in free will I believe in freed will mm. in other words the will is born enslaved to my fallen nature but God liberates it he frees it by an act of grace, and this is universal, but that doesn't save anybody. You still then have to act upon this uh, gift of, uh, of a liberated will. Uh, the Calvinist of the Reformed tradition basically would argue we don't see this concept of prevenient grace taught anywhere in Scripture, and we believe that if anybody is going to turn in faith uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ in response to the gospel. It has to be through a sovereign, irresistible work of the Spirit of God in turning the will and um, bringing life to that which was formerly dead, um, enabling the person to see the beauty of Christ in a way that otherwise they would never have recognized. So that's where the real divide exists among Christians. Um, again, Calvinists and Arminians together will all acknowledge, like there might be a few exceptions here or there, but We'll all acknowledge that we are morally accountable to God. We are responsible to God for our decisions. Now, they both would look and say, I don't believe that your position is consistent with that. Yeah. But they still both affirm it. Okay, well, we'll pick this up next time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. 
we want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.